0: I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Fede Vargas. Before we get to Fede, here's a few announcements. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com and there you'll find photos of our guests, some stories that some of the guests have written, some stories that I've written. There's links to their social media. There's links to our social media. And by social media, I'm talking, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, or X, or whatever it's called now. Either way, I'm not on it that much, but we're still there. I haven't pulled the account, but we're still on, I guess it's called the X, X, whatever. But we have a Facebook page and we have a YouTube channel. Want to see some videos that I've done from around the world? Go to our YouTube channel. And type in Travel Tales Podcast. Also on our site, you'll find links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. And I've been informed by the good people at Stitcher that they are uh, going to cease to exist uh, by the end of August. So uh, adios Stitcher. I guess it was a a good run. Sure. Um, But regardless, you'll still be able to find us everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on any of those services, I would appreciate it if you give us a good rating. Boosts our presence, helps more people find the show, and that would be a cool thing for you to do. So if you could do that, I would appreciate it. If you think you'd be right for the show, or maybe you know somebody who'd be right for the show, maybe you want to write me and ask me some travel questions, or maybe you just want to say nice things, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Fede Vargas is a guy that reached out to me through Blake File, who was a guest on our show last month, and Fede short for Federico, has his own podcast, and it's called My Most Authentic Life. And you can follow him on My Most Authentic Life on Instagram. And uh, he's working on the website, but he'll talk about that. Anyway, Fede lives in Toronto. He grew up there, but he was, uh, his parents are Mexican, and he was born in Mexico and moved to Toronto when he was like seven years old. He has since lived for a few years in Ireland and traveled all over the world for work. And it took the lockdown in Ireland, for him to start to realize that maybe he wasn't being his most authentic self. So through some introspection and working with a life coach, he found himself back in Mexico, living in Mexico City, enjoying it, and then finally returning to his hometown of Toronto. So we talk about his journey, we talk about his podcast, we talk about him climbing a volcano in Guatemala, and we talk about doing business in China, which he visited many times as well. I did an episode of his podcast, My Most Authentic Life, that's out right now, and afterward I asked him if he wouldn't mind returning the favor and being a guest on my show, which he was nice enough to do. So here he is, without further ado, please enjoy my chat with Fede Vargas. Fede Vargas. Fede
1: short for is it Federico? Uh that's right. Fede short for Federico. <laughs> Federico. I like and you were in Toronto. I am currently in Toronto. Yeah. Back here after almost seven years on the road. Uh a life the, Odyssey. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh you were living your most authentic life, is what was happening, right? <laughs> I was, and it it was in the
1: last two, two and a half years of it that I really Blossomed into truly my most authentic self. I moved away from Toronto for work. Uh, the company I was working for moved me to the European office, and I was living in Ireland for four years. And I had the time of my life. You know, three years were awesome. The last year was brutal because of lockdown and the pandemic, and and then I got laid off on top of that. So it was just like a really low point in my mental health. And on my life journey, but as with all good stories, you need to pick yourself up, dust yourself off. And I found my way to Mexico and it was just like the light bulb went off and I was trying to stay in Europe. And one day I said to myself, what am I doing here? It's, (laughs) it's gray. It's rainy.
0: I could be on a (laughs) beach in Mexico. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, I mean, did you grow up? You grew up in Mexico.
1: Yeah. I mean, like it was obviously the place I should have gone from the very beginning. But, you know, as human beings, we always we try everything. But and I spoke the language. I was born there. I was actually born on almost on the beach on the Pacific side. Uh, So I'm very comfortable around water and and beaches and stuff. It's where it's my natural habitat. (laughs) Yeah. Which which beach were
0: you? Which town were you born in? I was born in Acapulco on the Pacific side. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So funny. I've never been, you know, but my a good friend of mine built a, a home there. She did the same thing. She's American, but she lived in London for 10 years and uh, was flipping properties and then decided, you know what, if I'm ever going to see the sun again, I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> I'm going to have to leave. and So she went to uh, Mexico and bought in uh, Acapulco. She ended up uh, buying a house in Acapulco. But maybe we'll get to your journey later, but we are <laughs> I got to know about Acapulco. Um, So Acapulco, I guess, if, correct me if I'm wrong, was a big, it was the spot to go to in like the 50s and 60s and 70s. And then it kind of turned. And yeah. uh, I know as someone who worked on cruise ships, that was a big cruise ship stop as well back then. And uh, they don't stop there anymore because I guess it got a little, a uh, little dangerous.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a sad story in a lot of ways. Uh, Heartbreaking for me because I was born there and it's a very uh, special place for me, uh, a very magical place. The, uh, The other way to look at it is that there's a certain perception in the media of what Acapulco is like and what all of Mexico is like, and we've had another conversation about this, uh, how Mexico kind of gets a bad rap. And I think um, Acapulco is one of those places. Yes, there's problems, obviously, but it's really, it's outside of the tourist zones. And if you're not involved in that day-to-day activity, uh, you're, for the most part, not at risk. You know, yes, there's some, unfortunately, some collateral damage sometimes, and it's very sad. But uh, I've always felt very, very safe. And in fact, I went with two of my expat friends on while I was living in Mexico there for two years. We went there and they commented about how safe they actually felt.
0: It's like a, um, well, as she put it, it's more of like a getaway for Mexico City people. It's like when they go to the beach, they go to Acapulco. So it's a lot of like Mexicans still travel there. And they're the bulk of the homeowners there and stuff. So it was like, and uh, also it was it's not that convenient to fly into from the U.S. I've, I've, I was surprised. you You have to pretty much go through Mexico City. There's no direct flights. I thought maybe from Los Angeles, there'd be some direct flights, but really, no.
1: And I think that's a result of what's happened in the media and the bad publicity. Some of those mm-hmm. direct flights, you would have multiple direct flights from Toronto, you know, in its heyday. Oh, right. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, sure. There's a, lo- a lot of Canadians uh, from, you know, French-speaking Canada and from Ontario. Uh, a lot of uh, the Italian community in Toronto uh, would go there as well. So it was very, very busy. But when it started to get the bad rap, it, uh, it that kind of went down.
0: Yeah, it seemed to have shifted to like Mazatlan and Cabo. And Tulum and places like that, and Cancun.
1: Exactly. And
0: the, growth, the growth kind of went to those spots, and then Acapulco kind of got left in the dust. And if you're, you know, got a tourism based economy and the tourists stopped coming, that's tough. You know, I'm sure a lot of businesses closed.
1: Yeah. And to your point, though, it does still get a lot of um, domestic tourism. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I think. Uh, the way I look at it is, it almost seems like there was a, um, a strategic <laughs> approach by the tourism institutions to kind of make uh, the Mayan Riviera, Cancun, Tulum, that area, more of an international destination and make Acapulco a domestic destination. And I think that's what's happened.
0: Okay, let's talk about your journey. And when, when was the moment when you said, I'm leaving? I'm not going to stay. And where? What? Where did you? Was Ireland the first stop, or did you go to Toronto first?
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's go back to the very beginning. <laughs> no, okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the concise Good place version. To start. No, I was actually a kid. I was seven years old when my family moved to Canada. So I've been mostly okay. raised Canadian, and uh, I'm very proud of my Mexican heritage. I'm very proud of both of both cultures, uh, Mexican and Canadian, have been shaped by both experiences uh I le- sometimes i say that my my m- my business approach or my business mentality is more canadian but my soul and my fun side is is mexican <laughs>
0: right uh, but, but anyhow <laughs> yeah days, eh? <laughs> you throw an a after the hey yeah buenos, <laughs> days, eh?
1: buenos dias eh?
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> uh but yeah i grew up i grew up here in, in toronto most of my life and then it wasn't an until fast forward to about seven years ago when uh, when I got moved to the European office and that kind of that was my uh, my European chapter
0: so you're seven years old
1: yep oh go ahead yeah and then I moved to and then uh, after those four years in Ireland that was at the peak of the pandemic uh, got laid off and decided that Uh, For my mental health, I was going to go lay on a beach for four weeks, four weeks turned into two years. And (laughs) that's how I launched this podcast. I was the inspiration for not this podcast, my podcast, (laughs) Uh, my podcast, which is uh, my most authentic life. That's how that was born. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, earlier this year, decided that it was time to come back to Canada, because I have so much history
0: here, so many roots. So going there at seven must have been a pretty, pretty big culture shock for you. First of all, the weather. Second of all, you know, they're shoving hockey in your face all the time. How did you handle that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I remember it left an imprint the very first day we arrived because I was so excited. I couldn't wait, you know, and I think that's where the love of travel comes for me. It got instilled at an early age and even going back to, to when I was living in Mexico those first seven years of my life I remember my aunt who was living in Mexico City really wanted me to visit and she bought me a plane ticket and there I was I who knows what age I was maybe five years old or something getting you know put on the plane by my mom and the sturdist you Mm -hmm. know putting me in the front seat or where they were going to take care of me and my my aunt picking me up at the other side right Uh, so I was like uh, the whole idea of travel and plane was around me from a very early age. So when I was seven years old and arriving in Canada, I was so excited and I remember I we landed and I you know ran out of the airport wanted to see snow, but of course, uh, the snow doesn't look like in the postcards <laughs> and de- <Yeah. laughs> December in Toronto doesn't have a lot of snow. It's more like this kind of muddy mess that that is left behind when it melts. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't what I was promised. (laughs) This isn't Canada. Right. Where's the skiing? Where's the where's the snowman? Yeah. Yeah. So we got our fair share later on, as you know, January
0: and February. (laughs) Right. So what um, why Toronto and not the U.S.? Did your dad get a job up there or was it? consciously we're not going to the US.
1: You know that's a very interesting question. Yeah, I think it was a perfect storm of things. I think first and foremost my so my parents had studied um in the US. They had studied English uh when they were like in uh high school university. And my dad had been uh with a family an American family in New York State. So he was very familiar with the, the weather, upper state New York, close to the border. And he had visited Toronto. And that's, according to my dad, he this is before the CN Tower was built and stuff. <laughs> so he, but he came for some reason he recalls the connection he had with the city and he knew he'd be back. And then, and then Mike, uh, and then one of his cousins. Uh, married uh, a Canadian and set up roots here. And when they were trying to find a better life for their kids, because this is around the time that the situation in Acapulco and in Mexico was changing, they're like, where could we go? And yeah, I think it was a conscious decision not to go to the States. He didn't want to do what everybody else was doing, but also he had family here. He remembered that connection with Canada and he spoke the language, and and
0: that's what uh, happened. <laughs> I mean, to kids, even moving to another state can be traumatic, or moving across town, any kind of move. But moving to a different country, and there's a different language all around you, and everything like that. How do you think that shaped you as a person, even throughout your whole life? Or did it?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, and...
0: It's the whole idea
1: of displacement, right? I was displaced at a young age and even going back to that plane trip when I was five years old or, you know, then at seven years old. uh, And then early on, you know, being an an immigrant family, a new immigrant family in Canada, we were moving around a lot. So I, I think I had probably like six new schools, like in the first six years I lived here or something like that. And it wasn't, I think, until, I think it wasn't until high school because, yeah, from seven to 13, it wasn't until high school that then I stayed at one school for the entire term, right? So all of that uh, displacement made me adaptable and uh, made it easy for me to just pick up. And to this day, I keep, I'm such a minimalist because I don't know if uh, what it is about not setting not growing roots or not setting up fully in one spot because I'm always ready to
0: kind of move elsewhere. <laughs> right. So what? Um, what is your day job, by the way, that's, that brought you to Ireland and everything else?
1: Yeah. So my career, I had a long career in the media and entertainment industry. I sold uh, television shows. And oh. I did that for 15 plus years. Uh, and, uh, at that point in my career, uh, when I moved to Ireland, uh, the company was in a uh, big expansion mode and they had bought a company in Ireland, uh, on the creative side, on the production side. And I worked in sales on the distribution side. And so they wanted to open up an office there. So, okay. was uh, this like
0: reality programming or was this, uh, scripted? Uh, it was animation. Yeah. Animation. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cartoons. Okay. What was the year you got to, um, Ireland? So that would have been 2017.
1: Yeah. 2017. Yeah. And then 2021 was when I moved to Mexico.
0: All right. Have you, had you like spent much time in Ireland? Had you been there before? I mean, were you familiar with it? Uh, not at all. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I always wanted to visit.
1: It was one of those places on my bucket list. I'd seen beautiful pictures from it and, uh, when the idea was proposed be- because I was ready for a life adventure, I wanted to explore new new territory. And I've always wanted to move to London. Uh the company said, Well, that's the closest we can get you. And I'm like, Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get I'm you know, I'm always up for for exploring and new activities. And uh You're I right did in, make a in Dublin. I, I, yeah, right, yeah, it's yeah, Dublin's very small. So it was yeah, right, right yeah. in Dublin, right? Right in Dublin. And I did go for a two day visit uh, before I said, can I just like go see what it looks like? And <laughs> and the Irish people are some of the most amazing people. The the energy, you've heard the expression the crack, and it's not the crack like what yeah. you listeners might be thinking, it's C R A C R A I C. Which, which I kind of describe as
0: the Irish spirit. and yeah, It's like a good it, time, right? It's, it's like a party or a good time or something.
1: Yeah, it's like I would... Um, it's an electricity, and you know when it's happening? It's a, And when you're in Ireland and you're in the pub and then the chatter's going and people are having good conversation over a pint, that's when you know and it's happened to me you know you just feel it you look up and I'm like
0: oh that's the crack it's happening right now <laughs> so what were the things that were the toughest like the, the transition in ireland yeah in ireland uh well it's funny
1: because i always joke that i had to put on my my mexican hat when i moved to ireland <laughs> <laughs> and there's a saying And I was at a pub one day, I forget who told me, but it was like um, an older man. He was telling me one of those stories, really good Irish stories. And then one of the things he said was, uh, there's a saying in Ireland that Ireland is Mexico without the sun. (laughs) And (laughs) and there are so many similarities, so many similarities in that just the love for life, you know, a very... Catholic country that really doesn't follow religion, <laughs> yeah. you know, very Catholic but not religious. If that makes sense. Obviously, there are certain segments. I'm I'm overgeneralizing here, but that, sure. that you know, a big uh, big lust for life, drinking culture. Uh, there's uh, it's live first, work second, right? Uh, yeah. And that is something that it really has aligned with with Mexico. And things move at a different pace, you know, things take their time. So I I had to kind of get used to that because I was coming from what I call Toronto being an express city, especially during at the height of my business travel. I could do everything in one day, right? Go get a haircut, get a dental cleaning, buy a blazer, get to the airport, go to work for eight hours. So I could do that Mm. all in one day, Uh, all, you know. Perfectly timed, and in Ireland it's a different pace. It's a it's a different pace of life. It's a little more laid back, and that's what I liked about Manana. it. Manana.
0: Manana. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did um, it's the it's the well, it's a pub culture too, which um, you know, my friend in uh, I had some friends who moved there. One from Spain, and she found that that was a tough transition for her to go like this, this idea of getting off work and going right to the pub and just pounding beers, you know, that, that's like, they don't do that in Spain, you know, like they'll, they'll have wine with like some food, but they're not like, you know, banging these pints and getting drunk every day, you know, and that was a, that was a hard transition for her. Uh, but I mean, she liked the people, uh, maybe she was talking about London. This was London. So now she lives in Ireland and she likes that better because it was a little more friendly, she th- she found. That in London, it was a big city that they kind of felt, she kind of felt like everybody just kind of stuck with their own groups. You know what I mean? It was harder to meet people, it seemed, even though it was a bigger city. Did you find that? I mean, did you find Ireland pretty easy to meet people?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I would definitely agree that Ireland is way, way more friendly. It's just so easy to connect and meet people and have, great conversations i've spent uh, quite a bit of time in london as well and yeah i would say that the groups there like i have a circle of friends there that they're all they're all non they're all not english so Mm -hmm. the expats kind of attract each other so that integration is is harder for sure Uh so you, you could go go ahead but a similar thing happens in Ireland as well, too. I find like there's also now, especially there's a uh, big um, communities from different parts of Europe that have gone there because of the Eurozone, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, they they also kind of form their own communities. It's the integration might be a little easier than in the UK, but it's still, I think, it's still not
0: as easy. So you could you had the benefit you could hang out with two different expat groups so you could have the canadian expats then the mexican expats (laughs) you could double
1: up (laughs) yeah well yeah yeah i actually that's how i became friends with a few people and some of them are still kind of my really close friends now we've stayed in touch it was through um this international meetup organization oh i forget what it was called uh Anyways, I can't think of the name right now, but yeah, they would organize events, and that's how you know newcomers uh, to the city would get to you know have a social social group.
0: Can I tell you my I have a, a Mexican food rule around the world, okay. and then basically that rule is I don't eat it outside of Mexico or the U.S. Because the times I've tried in different continents around the world, it is brutal. I mean, it's the worst. I don't know. Did you ever find good Mexican food in Ireland?
1: (laughs) There was actually a a restaurant called Acapulco in Ireland, (laughs) in Dublin, in Dublin. I never went to it, uh, funny enough. Really? No, no. But I went to another one uh, that was quite authentic, I would have to say. It was becoming, while I was there, the Mexican food was becoming more and more trendy. And to be fair, there's all kinds of foods available in Dublin. It's very, very international in scope, and I think that's maybe not that that surprised me, but it's a very welcoming, very, very welcoming society for sure. And there's great food from all
0: over the world. I know, but I'm living in LA. I'm so spoiled with it <laughs> that it's like I have like gourmet food coming off a truck. You know, yeah, yeah, for five bucks. And then I'll go to like a $30 restaurant somewhere else and be like, this, my truck is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just imagine. <laughs> well, you've been to Mexico and yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you're like 18 peso tacos. tacos. Oh, <laughs> I was just an Ensenada. And I took this other comic off the ship and we walked to this. It's a little stand. It's mm-hmm. called Phoenix, F E N I X, for anybody who's there. Look it up. But it's a little stand. It's where the locals go. And it was always a good sign. <laughs> and we went and all they have is fish tacos or shrimp. That's it. Fish or shrimp tacos. That's all you get. Yeah. <laughs> and uh it's been open since like you know for 50 years and it's great. And yeah. they're like a dollar a piece or something, you know, it's so good. Nice and it's like, oh man, this I this I miss. This yeah, I miss. That is what I miss the most,
1: I think, uh, since I've been back in Toronto, is just the ease of going to the street corner and grabbing a really good meal uh for a really low price. I didn't do groceries in when I was living in Mexico because really there was no point because it would be more expensive for me to cook at home and not make it as tasty. <laughs> yeah. So that that ease of just going out to the street corner and getting street food that I or even not even street food just like a local restaurant, right? That's very low key and yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: So my friend who who bought In um, Acapulco, she ended up going uh, after a couple years of living there, she ended up buying a second place in uh, Mexico City because she said that's where it was all happening. And Acapulco, is still it's a small community. And she got a little bored, you know, so she wanted to she wanted to go where the action was. And it's definitely in Mexico City. Right. I mean, I love Mexico City when I went there. uh, You know, that was a vibrant, cool city. Yeah. Talk about great food. Yeah, oh, Mexico yeah. City is the perfect city for
1: just a variety of food. You can have, you know, a five-star Michelin experience or just like cheap and dirty on the street <laughs> corner, and they're all
0: equally amazing. <laughs> we'll talk yeah. So talk about my authentic life or your most authentic life. Yeah. Oh, what, am I saying it wrong? Most authentic life.
1: No, my most authentic life. And you know how the title okay. came? Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the title came so when So there I am in Dublin after three amazing years and one brutal year because of the pandemic. Uh, And the light bulb goes off. I'm like going to Mexico, Uh, did it all within seven days, literally packed up, gave up my apartment and was on the beach. Uh, And I was also working with a life coach, a transformational life coach uh, that I had hired. So did two things, moved to Mexico, hired a coach and worked with her for a year and a half as I was going to figure out what to do Next, I knew early on that there was no way I was going to go back to corporate and to that lifestyle I used to have. Right. So I decided to give myself one full year off to just, you know, I deserved it after 15 plus years of being on the road and traveling and all that. And then during that journey, I disappeared from Facebook and LinkedIn and all that, but I stayed on Instagram because it was a creative outlet for me and I liked it. And 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 people that I knew, you know, close friends, they would genuinely say, oh, wow, you're living your best life because I was posting <laughs> many pictures of pool, rooftop pools and the Caribbean and all this. <laughs> but genuinely, they were saying, good for you, right? And then it was like, no, something was off. And anyhow, working with my coach and working on the authenticity and growing into my most authentic self, I was like, I'm not living my best life. I'm actually living my most authentic life. And that's how the title of the podcast was born. Okay. And how long has it been going? For like a couple of years now? Uh I had my first year anniversary in June. Oh congratulations. Yeah, and I'm about to hit episode fifty uh in September because oh. I, I was doing it bi weekly. And now I'm doing uh, since the start of twenty twenty three, I've been doing weekly, but yeah. Okay. So yeah.
0: And what have you learned about yourself in this journey and how has it changed you? Wow. It's it's one of those major
1: life pivots, right? A life transition. I keep saying the word transformational over and over, but it is. It truly was because during that year of not doing anything, but ironically, I was doing a lot of growing. I did... Uh, daily routine, which was uh, self care, explore, reimagine every day. That was my daily practice. And I would do it in different ways, right? Maybe it was seeing sunrise at the beach and, uh, or, you know, taking the long way home. That was the exploration part, taking the bike and just exploring the city and constantly reimagining other ways of doing things because I had been told that you should be. A certain way, and I, through that process of self-discovery, I learned to live as you are versus as you should be. So, in a nutshell, that was the the core takeaway from from that journey.
0: So, you had mentioned when you were uh, in Ireland, uh, did you did some traveling? But did you use Europe for what I would use it for, which is what I envy all Europeans have, that they could go just take a weekend and go to another country or drive 20 miles and go to, I mean, you're on a little island there. But thanks to Ryanair and EasyJet, you could go to anywhere in Europe for 25 bucks or something, you know, some crazy thing. Did you utilize it while you were there? Oh yeah, I did, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. And, and, And yeah, and
1: I just think of... The way our lives used to be. I know, you know, travels uh, ramp back up now. You know, I see it on Instagram. A lot of my friends are, you know, all over and it's, it's alive and kicking again. But there was, at least for me, there was a pre-pandemic me and a post-pandemic me. And the pre-pandemic me would get out a kick out of, you know, going to Berlin for the weekend, Barcelona for the weekend. And it's just now I'm all about slow travel. I need like a good two or three months at least in one place before <laughs> to just kind of settle into a routine. But um I did I did travel all over and I also had a convention in France that I went to twice a year, or so around that. So London, France, oh. Portugal. Were you in, uh, oh, everywhere.
0: You're in animation. Were you were you at Annecy? I did. Yep. Yeah. I would go to Annecy. Okay. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, yeah, there yeah. for that. Oh, oh, have you? My friend, I've I have a friend in London who works in animation. She works for uh, DNEG. Well, or is that the convention? Uh, Um, I can't remember her, but she's in um, uh, she's in animation, and I was traveling through, and I met her there. Oh, okay. Honestly, what a what a beautiful little town.
1: Oh, it's so beautiful, so picturesque. Yeah, Yeah, and the Tartiflet. I don't know if you had that when you were there. It's is like it a really cheese? typical. Yeah, it's like some sort of. Oh, how would you describe it? Some sort of like. Um,
0: uh, it's like a cake, cheesecake. I mean, I'm, I'm not describing it. Yeah, it's like describing a it It's almost like <laughs> cheese on toast, really. And it's kind of like broiled or something. Whatever it is, it's delicious. It's like a yeah. cheesy bread kind of thing, from what I remember. If we're talking about the same thing.
1: Yeah. But And, the, and then the flonda the we're talking about.
0: Oh, the fondue. Oh, my God. So this is Annecy, France, which is uh, just over the border from Switzerland. Uh, I think uh, Geneva is the closest one, right? Did you fly into that? I think I flew out of Geneva.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's about 90 minutes from Geneva to Annecy. Beautiful lake. It's so picturesque. Yeah. Yeah. And then you take the bike from – you rent a bike and take it to the convention center and – uh, well, That's it great. was at a hotel, at a hotel right by the lake. Yeah, stunning and picturesque views for sure.
0: Yeah, small world. It's amazing. Yeah. I've been to your your function. And then so but, other than but, yeah, but the other
1: one, the other French markets were um, uh, sales conventions that were in Cannes. Oh yeah, those yeah. So did they, you go to the film festival? No, I did the television ones. So okay. I would do the ones in April and in October. Well, that's not yeah, bad either. Right? And then May was the film one, the film one, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I've spent funny. more time in Cannes than I have in Acapulco <laughs> over the years. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy.
0: <laughs> so what, other than those, what were some of your your favorite places to go? If if somebody said to you when you were living in Dublin, "Hey, we're going here for the weekend," you go, "Yes, I'm in. I'm totally in." That's one of my favorite places.
1: It would have to be London, and because of the support system I had there. I have longtime friends that live there. And so going there was just easy. Uh, People that I had met before I worked in the media industry and then my friends from the media industry, because, of course, London's a big hub as well uh, for entertainment companies. So going there was just
0: easy, especially from Dublin, right? Oh, yeah yeah so it's, you know it's like what a, a half hour flight or something it's, it's
1: yeah so for me that was one of the trips i could take for the weekend and i feel like i was even away right yeah yeah but barcelona would then be the that's like the more exotic fun one right Sure.
0: oh yeah do you ever go down to like uh do the party down in abiza Ibiza, Ibiza? Ibiza? Oh, my goodness. So I never made it to
1: Ibiza. And it was it was the it was 2020. Funny how my life completely changed. So even though I've done a lot of traveling over the years, 2020 was the very first year in my life that I was finally prepared. I've always (laughs) done things spontaneously. And you know, I'm like, okay, going on a business trip. Okay, I'll add two more days and end up paying an arm and a leg for hotels, because I didn't plan properly. Right? so i went into 2020 uh with everything pre-planned tickets booked i was going to go to berlin i had i was going to the um, the monaco grand prix uh i was um what was the last one sorry i just lost my train of thought um uh Ibiza, Ibiza. I was gonna Ibiza. have my birthday. Yeah, I was gonna have my birthday in Ibiza. It was gonna be <laughs> a hell of a year. I was like, wow, look good for you. You're finally prepared, and you're saving money along the way, too, right? Because boom. <laughs> yeah, and God said, Here is
0: a, a pandemic. Shut oh, really? Down. You you think you're finally organized? Yeah. <laughs> well, talk about you know, every country shut down differently. What was the situation like in Ireland? How did, how much did they shut it down? And Could you have like, you know, like in Italy, I had friends there. I mean, they couldn't leave their building. It was it was wild, you know, but then other countries didn't really shut down that much at all. And like, were they really super strict on movement around and masks and distancing and everything else?
1: Yeah. In hindsight. It was taken very, very, very seriously and not even in hindsight. I, I knew it right, right there, but I mean, in hindsight compared to then what I went to in Mexico, but uh, where it was just like night and day. So in Ireland, there was the two kilometer uh, radius that, where you could go out for, you know, exercise one per, once per day or whatever it was. Walk the dog. So, so I got I saw that loop. Oh my god, that loop. I'll have PTSD uh-huh. from that loop I walked. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many times sure. I walked it. There was uh, there was police on on horseback, on bikes, on foot, uh at intersections. And then another PTSD moment will be the sound of helicopters. I think now I'll, I'll always associate the sound of a helicopter with the pandemic because there was um uh, the helicopter would come and hover above the apartment complex of where I lived and they were just monitoring to make sure people weren't congregating in balconies and in backyards. And they were just kind of, and it was just, it was a really, really bizarre time in history. It almost seems like it was
0: that real. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, after living in LA for 25 years and I'm, you know, I'm, Very uh, familiar with the sound of a circling helicopter, which (laughs) is horrible. You know, sometimes like in my old neighborhood, I would just it it felt like it was on a tether around if they were looking for somebody. You know, they just keep flying around and around and around and and so loud and so annoying that um, you can always imagine what, you know, kids growing up in like Kabul, Afghanistan or something is going through how like frightening that is. It really is terrible. Yeah. And also living by myself. So I keep
1: calling that period, that's why I say three amazing years, one brutal year, because I lived uh, by myself and I call it solitary confinement. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm the most extroverted person on the planet and I thrive on social contact. Like I could be exhausted and put one person in front of me and then boom, put two people in front of me and it's just, I just feed off (laughs) it. Right. It re energizes me. It's like plugging me in uh and so that was that was different but then cut to mexico i you know i arrived in mexico and that's when literally something switched because i had the sun and the breeze and the water Mm -hmm. and i'm like whoa my life just changed
0: i don't know how but it did so february march 2020 everything shuts down how long did you last in ireland before you took off a year you, so you were there a whole year. So 2021, you went. So March,
1: March, end of February, uh, March 2021 is when, Oof. when I yeah, yeah, I arrived. So I so think could, it, in a way, I think it was, I mean, everything shapes you. I'm not, I don't know if something was good or bad, but in a way that one year gave me the perspective to appreciate all of a sudden what I had a year later and to realize, hey, there's another way to live. There's like, you Mm -hmm. need to rewire, reprogram yourself, think outside the box. There's another way to do this. So are you completely out of the uh, animation game now? Animation, yes, for sure. Yeah, so I'm definitely, uh, yeah, I decided not to go back as part of that growth journey. I decided I'm not going back to cartoons specifically. Uh, I've been working in the media entertainment industry my whole life. Uh, so having a podcast, producing the podcast, uh, was my way to satisfy my, my creative passion and still stay in it. Right. Because right. you never know where this podcast could go. And, uh, I mean, and it came from even way before I started working in, in the, on the business side of, of, of the business, uh, because I thought I was going to be creative. I was, I, when I went to university, Uh, The first year was radio, back when it was called radio. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. Oh, I remember. (laughs) And uh, we produced a weekly radio show. And I loved everything about it. And then uh, post-grad, I went to uh, screenwriting school. Uh, I thought I I was going to write an Oscar-winning screenplay. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And then you could could join me on the picket line out here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Uh, And then then obviously, you know, the,
0: the... the, the career was very
1: lucrative and security and cool travel experiences. So I went that way. But now I feel like everything that I've done in the past is kind of building to this new moment, right? right. The sales so the part of it. Life, yeah, absolutely. All yeah. your skills. Yeah. But
0: the creative life is great. It's just can be tough to make a living. <laughs> That's the only problem. Exactly. Exactly. So,
1: yeah. yeah. The way I think about it is... Especially now that I've had the ability to, or the luxury, I guess, to decide what I want to do with my life is that it's about life purpose. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start from the place of doing something that I really like, connecting with people and energy that, you know, boosts me, you know, finding your tribe, just like minded people. And from that, I believe the livelihood will come as opposed to thinking about it the other way
0: yeah okay. well, now uh, you can put on your uh, your travel expert hat since we had you' you're an expert at, at a few places. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna consider you an expert. First of all, let's start in Ireland. I've been around, I've been there a couple times and other than Dublin, which I think is I tell people it's Dublin's doable in like two, three days, right? I mean, you can kind of like s- see a lot of Dublin and like you said it's not that huge of a city. I mean, it's their biggest city, but it's not, it's not, you know, Tokyo, you know, you know what I mean? It ain't that big. So, um, but what other parts of Ireland did you get to explore that you recommend to people and go, and Hey, if you get out of the city, you got to check this place out.
1: Okay. Ireland is amazing. And mm-hmm. I think you would need a lifetime to fully see it, uh, <laughs> but the first point about Dublin, I have to say yes. Three days is enough. Maybe if you're doing that whirlwind trip of Europe, or you have a short period of time. Well, sure. However, Most only have a week. <laughs> yeah. However, living there for the amount of time that I did, you keep discovering hidden gems all over, and that's the beauty about Dublin. But the rest of Ireland, obviously, the west coast. Galway, what a what a beautiful city! In a lot of ways, even more of an experience than Dublin. Uh, it's what you would expect. When I first moved to Ireland, I thought, and you get more of the rain too. <laughs> That's yeah, why I thought, yeah, yeah because actually, a uh, Dublin is one of the driest parts of the country. So the wow. cliffs, so the Cliffs of Moher, definitely stunning. They're just beautiful, mm-hmm. and hopefully you you won't get uh cloud cover or rain but the day i went there i went there with my with my parents and we got it just luckily got a gorgeous gorgeous day uh west cork down in the southwest so that that road trip to all the little communities around there beautiful Mm. so uh did a road trip around that uh dingle the dingle peninsula yeah uh so so nice uh, a lot of funny pubs there in Dingle,
0: <laughs> because get well, farther enough down there, you know, you can get them. They're, they're speaking Irish, you know. They're speaking Gaelic down there in some of those places. You know, there, it's there's like, a well, pub. It...
1: Hardcore. Yeah, there's a pub in our, Sorry, in in Dingle. That was funny because every pub is half something, right? It's either half grocery store, half pub, half yeah. this, <laughs> half. Um, and then hotel, one of them hotel. Yeah, one of them's half a morgue. Oh my gosh! Or was historically, I know, like, I, so you can fact check fact check this later. But but the story I was told while while I was there was that it was uh, half morgue because they had a uh, and because they have the freezer, it was literally the one pub where you could drink till you drop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. Uh, Did you get up to? Um, I liked Belfast a lot. I thought Belfast was. really Oh, there you go.
1: See, I never made it there.
0: Never made it. Really?
1: You're kidding. In three I years. I know. In three years, and I wow. would literally lived ten minute walk from the train station. Think about it, though. It it, it was such a different time, right? I was traveling a lot for work, for yeah. during those three years. I was doing the little little trips to London or everywhere else in Europe. So work travel, personal travel. And then all the Irish travel. So it was just like, yeah. uh, my stay, my stay in Ireland was cut short. I wasn't expecting to, to have, to have it end, uh, as soon as it did. So I had big plans of yeah. everything else I was going to visit. The Ring of Kerry, I didn't get to.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So big, big ones okay. still. Okay. Now you got to put on your, uh, Mexican guide hat. Ooh. Favorite spots in, uh, Mexico City, like, what's the neighborhoods and spots we got to see?
1: Okay, so Condesa is more of the traditional colonia that you would visit. But my favorite neighborhood in Mexico City, if I were to choose to live there, and I would choose to live in Mexico City, it would be Roma Norte. Roma Norte. Yeah, it's so vibrant there. Cool corner uh bars food the vibe it's just it's just my vibe yeah because okay, i think well, polanco is a bit
0: too stuffy maybe
1: for me yeah that's but, where uh, i
0: stayed i i got an airbnb in polanco i didn't know where to go but i heard that was a nice place it, and I, I always tell people it's kind of like the upper east side of uh, of mexico city it's a little stuffy but uh you know i didn't mind stuffy for the week i was there
1: yeah, I lived there for what I live there, I don't know. Yeah, because I lived in Polanco one year for lived. <laughs> I stayed yeah. in Polanco for two months. Uh okay at, at an apartment. Uh and I got a taste of what it was like. And it was I mean, it's very nice, you know. It's you know, mm-hmm. everything's really pristine too and well taken care of. But in terms of atmosphere, for me it's more Roma Norte for sure.
0: And I will say, and I I tell people on this show often that uh, Uber was a godsend in Mexico City. Yes. So much easier than the cabs and nicer, you know, the cleaner cars and newer cars and no money exchanging hands. And uh, it was great. It was really good. And so comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. How about Toronto now? Now you're going to be our Toronto expert. Oh, wow. You know, I'm going there next month. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, definitely, we'll need to celebrate the, the this interview with, uh, with yes, with my a first trip. So,
0: I haven't booked my uh, uh, accommodations yet. So, um, tell me the neighborhood to stay in that I can walk to a lot of stuff. And by the way, I did peek, and they're a little more pricey than I thought it would be. You know, Toronto's yeah. bringing a bill to the table. Yes. Yes, it
1: has gotten expensive. It is very expensive for sure. And I'm sure the Airbnb is even in September. Actually, what days are you coming? Because it may be if you're coming during the film festival, it's going to be super expensive.
0: Well, I'm catching it uh, in between the film festival and the comedy festival. So there's like a three day window there that I'm I'm doing. So it's around September 19th. I'm actually going to arrive um, the, the last day of the film festival.
1: Oh, OK. So that's, that's not too that's bad. Sunday. That's not yeah, too bad. So Hopefully
0: I'm coming in while everybody's leaving. That's my plan. That was the plan.
1: Yeah. Usually it's the first five days of the film festival that are crazy and it starts to kind of yeah. taper off. So you should be
0: fine by then. Oh, I looked it up beforehand. Because <laughs> I knew that was going to be a problem. I knew that was going to be a problem, but it's a great month to go, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. It's one of my favorite months. That
1: and May are two of my favorite months. Now, in terms of where to stay. I mean, if you're coming for a visit and it's your first time, I think you'd want to stay in the core. And mm-hmm. by that, I, I mean, uh, like close to the CN tower, close to the sky dome or the Roger center as it's called. <laughs> uh, and there's also, or you could stay in queen West King West. Those are easy walking distance to, to everything as well. um, Ossington, the Ossington Strip has a lot of good restaurants and bars. Toronto's so vibrant; the, the the neighborhoods are just there's so many unique, awesome neighborhoods throughout. But I think you honestly need more than one visit to get to know them all. Well, sure, uh, yeah. This is I just think a teaser. This is it's a little kind of taste. like it's, it's it's just like visiting New York, right? You need several visits yeah, to really take it in. Of course, in. exactly. So uh, for a first visit, I think downtown core okay well, yeah uh, close to the sky Dome, close to the uh, yeah, the the CN tower you could go as far as you know Queen West King West and and that gives you access to the island too easy access to the island because that's an experience to do just the ferry over there or the I would recommend the water taxi actually to do the crossing Where does it go? And, uh it goes to the island. And then you—it has three, the Toronto Islands. So there are three separate stops, and you could just explore there, and you get awesome views of the skyline.
0: Oh, nice! Those okay, postcard, so yeah.
1: those postcard Perfect. moments that you see, yeah,
0: those are the ones that you get from the island okay. or on the on so the other, ferry over. Okay, other than that, what do I got to do if I leave after three days and don't do? You'd be like, how could you not? It's a crime that you didn't do this. What sh- what what else should I do other than the taxi? Oh, wow. Do I have to go up on top of that tower? Is yes. Yeah, yeah go, okay. to, yeah.
1: go up to the top of the tower. All right. It's, it's oh, wow. Toronto, Toronto Basics 101. It's the first trip. I know. <laughs> this is the first trip. I got to do it. Right. <laughs> you could do the edge walk if you're feeling very adventurous.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some... I, I could do it. Yeah. My girlfriend would not do that. She's not a height person. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, I still haven't
1: done it. I'm kind of, yeah. Not scared, but I'll get to it. I'll get to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward. Hopefully, if if you're around, we can grab a beer or something. Absolutely, yeah, I'd love that. And it's like a big brunch culture
1: here too. Here's it's, it's, that uh, brunch, brunch, oh, brunch, brunch. Okay, like, yeah, like so the weekends. Really, a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, and you know, I'm I'm know. because it's been seven years since I've lived here. Now it's been three months or so since I've been back. Uh, certain things have changed post-pandemic as well, right? In terms mm-hmm. of uh, certain places are just the um, the busyness of it is different. Yeah, yeah, but it's I mean that's drag, you know. But to be fair, it's only really the first year that things are
0: back in full, sure. right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember looking at your Instagram page and they showed you on top of a volcano. Yeah. Where was that? (laughs) That is
1: a Catenango in Guatemala. Uh, It's about 4,000 meters. And what's really unique about that volcano is that base camp has a front row view of another volcano called Fuego, which is active. And it's very, very active. <laughs> so that's the, that's it's on the, treat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was such a cool experience. Uh, yeah, you get your own little show every, uh, like it's a 48, it was a 48 hour experience. So the first day you climb up, you get to base camp, you leave in the morning, you get to base camp around four o'clock. Uh, You do the whole campfire thing, you know, food, marshmallows, all that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Eating in the tent. Really fun. Uh, Slept in a little like teepee teepee cabin. And oh, oh, yeah. So let me tell you the cool story about that. So we went there and then we're at base camp. And uh, the hike to the summit then is at four in the morning. So wake up calls at three. And they told us the night before Uh, the organizers, the company that we were with said, bad news. Uh, don't get your hopes up. Uh, you probably won't be able to climb to the summit tomorrow. Or if you do that, you won't be able to see anything. And we're like, damn. Anyhow, they're like, but you know what? Why don't you wake up at three or so open your tent door and see if you can see the city, little twinkling lights down below in the town. Then that means it's a go. So I was like a kid at Christmas tree, you know, like alarm went <laughs> off. I couldn't even sleep properly. Opened the opened the tent or the little cabin thing and saw all the lights. I was like, we're going, we're going. We <laughs> climbed up to the summit and we got a sunrise at the summit. It was insane. It was That's beautiful. Great. It was so, so beautiful. You could see all of the, uh, the major points in Guatemala, like Lake Atitlan, uh, I think if you, you could really look out and almost see the Pacific, if I remember correctly,
0: it was just stunning. It was stunning. How many days was this hike? Just the two, two days. Yeah, two days. Yeah. Okay, so you did you drive up to base camp, or did you? How did that work?
1: Nope, you drive from Antigua in the morning, and mm-hmm. you get to the the base of the like the volcano, and then you start climbing, oh, yeah. and, and you climb up from there. It's about eight hours, or was it more? Ooh, yeah. No, I think it was about eight hours to get to base camp, or something like that. And then, and how high was the peak? And then the peak was, I think it was only like oh, well, it's four thousand meters, or three thousand right. nine hundred eight, or something like that. And then the last portion, I think it's only like two hundred meters, but it's the most okay difficult. It's all volcanic sand and mud oh, and when you're yeah. there at um you know doing this at you know 3 34 in the morning it it was brutal it was brutal like you almost yeah. wanted to
0: i thought about stopping for sure but then why well, did kilimanjaro and that was uh you know that was, that's crazy too but that was like <laughs> it was a little higher but still you know the altitude affects everybody differently
1: yeah yeah for sure oh yeah that's the other tip I would give to people that are doing a Mm -hmm. volcano or I was a newbie. Right. And I thought I was so worried in hindsight, it was actually kind of easy for someone of, of like, I guess it's an average person can climb, can climb it. But I was overhyping it. I was like, Oh no, you know, I won't be able to do it. I didn't really think that the average person could do it. But the big thing I think that allowed me to do it was the, Altitude sickness pills. I took that. Oh, you took those. Okay. Yes, and I and I didn't get anything. And people that didn't take right. it did, and they weren't able to complete
0: it. Yeah, for uh, for for people, you know, for Americans out there, four thousand meters is about a little over thirteen thousand feet. So mm-hmm. I found like, like fifteen thousand. After about 12,000 feet, is when I would get my, you know, your, your normal kind of shortness of breath you know, you're, you guess you know, maybe some headaches to pee a lot. You got to drink a lot of water, that kind of thing. Um, but at Kilimanjaro I found out like 15,000 feet was, that was when I started to get the headaches and nausea and that kind of stuff. It was really, that's when it hit me. Yeah. That's when it hit me. But you know, but still it was, yeah, I love coming. I love doing that stuff. Uh, did you ever get like, That's the other thing, the speed round for travel. Did you ever have to um, ever go to a hospital in a foreign country? Did you ever get hurt or sick or anything like that?
1: Ah, I have. But have I gone to hospital? Yeah, I have. I have gone to hospital. I can't think of something right now, though. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So was it serious? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how about... um, Ever got in trouble with the law anywhere? Ever had to uh, bribe a policeman? I haven't. Not from very like minor
1: things that have happened <laughs> in Mexico, right? Like little like right. see, that 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 seemed normal, I guess. <laughs> 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 I remember my my grandfather once uh was uh this is when I was five, six years old. Got he, I guess he he crossed a red light or not really, but it was got pulled over. And and I remember just him giving the officer like a, like a, a folded bill, and it was just
0: and that was, <laughs> yeah, and it, right. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's how things work." That's how <laughs> it works. Welcome <laughs> to Mexico. Yeah. So, when you step off the plane <clears throat> in Mexico and you haven't been there in a while, what's the first thing you want to eat?
1: The first thing I want to eat in Mexico oh, tacos for sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How yeah, about definitely. Toronto? ah toronto that kind of is there food. that you
0: miss don't say tim hortons don't no. say tim horton no you
1: know <laughs> I, ah toronto is like an experience that that grows on you it's not like there's so much good food there's food festivals here all the time mm-hmm. um it, it has everything from all from all countries and it's authentic stuff too talking about mexican food there's very authentic Mexican food here. I mean, the difference, the authenticity is not in the price, though. <laughs> it's
0: yeah, in the taste. <laughs> right.
1: Um, but, um, yeah, nothing specific. I would jump off the plane, but eventually you, you, it grows on you. You have to, like, be here for a while. That's why you kind of have to be here f- for a while to take it in, right? Because mm-hmm. there's Greek, Greek town, has great food.
0: I mean, Indian food city. is amazing here. Chinese food. Yeah, there's everything. Yeah, it's a really diverse uh, city. Yeah. And so when you hey, you haven't been back to Ireland since the pandemic? Uh nope. Haven't been. No. If you went back, what would you do once you got off the plane other than see friends? What would the uh what would you want to do? I think or where would you go? I,
1: yeah, I think I would want to go to a pub and tell people that I that I miss that I'm there. <laughs> And catch up with people at a pub, yeah, like with good friends at a pub. So I would yeah. come. I would kind of combine both activities.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you ever acquire the taste of Guinness for Guinness?
1: Yes, I did.
0: <laughs> good they, right? Isn't it great? Oh, it is so so good. I
1: actually didn't like Guinness before because it's different there. It tastes better there. Well, number one has to be chilled. I didn't know it has to be chilled. Yeah. Uh, there's oh, some pubs okay. that yeah. yeah. Here in, in the places I was going in Toronto before, when I, whenever I did order Guinness, they would give it to you lukewarm, oh, and that's that's, that's not yeah yeah. So it has to be like yeah maybe. But I'm talking <laughs> about years ago when I and so the, and the, and then I I decided I didn't really like it and didn't give it another chance. But it was when I went back to Ireland. I'm like okay, let me order it here, and it tasted completely different. They know how to pour it. It's made from the right ingredients. Uh you have to let it settle. It's chilled. It's just, yeah.
0: It's an art the way it's it's poured. It's oh, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And they hate it when people here pour it wrong. I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they hate it when they see it's poured wrong in a pub, they go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where do you see um the podcast going and where do you, where do you want it to go and what are your goals for the next year and, and ongoing?
1: Yeah. So now I'm going into the next phase of the podcast. I think the first year or the first 50 episodes, you know, I just had the first year anniversary 50 is coming up Were to just be true to myself in the stories I wanted to tell, uh, to have a voice, have a platform, um, it's the first time in my life that I feel like I just, I, that I can tell my story and I, I tell it through my guests, right? So in a way it's kind of like the, sta- uh, the, the, the root, the root. And then oh. in the next phase, I want to keep telling inspirational stories of others that are living authentically and hopefully, you know, continue to grow the, um, the audience, but also to support my personal development, um, a coaching business so that's the next phase of my growth as in, in oh, terms perfect. of business and that's going to be uh one part of my most authentic life will be empowering personal development and personal growth and so yeah. hopefully starting start to take on clients and uh, do the coaching part of it as one of the pillars oh, great as one of them so like life coaching life coaching yeah which is the journey i've been on right is how i got here yeah working absolutely. with my coach
0: yeah that's cool, yeah, so what do you think you know the, the, your experiences around the world and living in different cultures and, and traveling so much, uh, what has it taught you and about people? What has it taught you about yourself, and how has it changed you as a person?
1: It has made a huge, huge, lasting impact. Uh I think it's opened up my my mind and my heart to the way other people live. You know, you need to get out of your bubble to appreciate and to make the social fabric stronger. Um, it makes us more it builds our empathy, um, it makes us kinder. And Absolutely. yeah, and yeah, like the you know, like when people go to Mexico and they have a certain perception of it, right? Even my two years there, it wasn't Mexico is not the people told me Mex- Mexico is not the Mexico I was told about. <laughs> right. And right, same thing right. with China, China. When I went, to, you know, uh, during my career, I went to China like fifteen times or something like that. Uh, that it wasn't the China people told me about, right? The way the yeah, people are right. on the ground, and just like it, it was just like I ha- had a completely different experience than what is sometimes told in in the in the media, right?
0: You've been sitting on that China story the whole time. We've been talking for <laughs> an hour, and now you tell me. <laughs> Wait a minute, episode when, number you two. Went there, you went there fifteen times. I still haven't been to the mainland. I've only been to Hong Kong and Taiwan. So, yeah, where did you go? Did you go to Shanghai. Is that where more you went? Yeah.
1: yeah, first my first trip there was to Shindao. Okay, uh, which is on the East coast. It's the, um, it was a German colony or something like that. There's the famous Chindao beer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Singtao, that, as we say down here. <clears throat> yeah. And I went
1: there <laughs> as part of, you know, part of uh, my job was, uh, was to open up the Chinese market. So I went oh, there. Wow. I was the very first person in my company that went there and I went there for two weeks to figure out China And And what did you figure (laughs) out? What did you learn? Well, I learned that it's all about relationships and about being present, right? I got on the flight and I was doing it the, the Western way, right? Send an email. Can you, can you meet with me, please? I have shows to sell you. And, um, (laughs) zero people got back to me and I was on the plane. I had this, you know, two week trip booked, uh, and, I had to justify the expense of this trip, <laughs> and finally, I'm getting on the plane. And one person wrote back, and it was an American guy living in China. <laughs> it wasn't even a Chinese person. I'm like, oh, but at least yeah. I have one, at least I have one meeting. Yeah, and I went to this uh, convention that was happening in Chindao, and uh, by the time I got to Beijing the following week, I had a jam packed schedule. Every my full days were was booked.
0: So, is it not in their culture to answer an email or why why did they uh, not <laughs> answer? Well,
1: because I didn't know about a beautiful thing called WeChat. <laughs> uh-uh.
0: Is that their like? It's, it's like WhatsApp. Uh, yeah. Texting. Oh, WhatsApp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, and then what's like, once I got into the WeChat world, that's how I was able to uh, be instantly connected but also that it is a a, an in-person thing they need to kind of see you and trust you and know that they want to work with you and
0: uh socialize like doing what is it like doing business there what is it like socializing Uh,
1: yeah socializing is a big part of it you know because the days are it's almost and with the partnerships you make there it's not like you're your average business trip elsewhere in North America, where you know you maybe you have three different business meetings in one day, right? With three different companies, you usually kind of hang out with with your partner for the day, right? For the whole from breakfast to with after dinner day. drinks, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, people their work is their life, right? What did they call it? There's um, was it Alibaba had um nine nine six which means you work from 9 a.m to 9 p.m six days a week Oof, something boy. like that so it's just um yeah it's all so interconnected so it's all blurred right The but amazing food so much good food a lot of funny experiences just like you know the the two cultures coming together and me not speaking uh mandarin i tried I tried to, I took a, before that first trip, I, I took all the YouTube courses and somehow I thought I had a working knowledge of business Mandarin <laughs> wrong. Yeah, yeah, Cause when you arrive, yeah, it's tough. when you arrive, it's like your brain freezes and it's like, uh, okay, all that's gone. Now what? And yeah. I had, I had to got I had written all my, so I had the directions to the hotel translated and arrived and gave it to the taxi driver that's the that was you know it was china 101 on that on that two-week trip didn't know that you have to hire drivers you have to have that all pre no, don't try to take a taxi because <laughs> even though no, he no. added it was like it took me like two hours to get to the hotel because he was lost and i had to give him the phone to talk to the hotel oh, oh. it was just uh i came back with a um a a three-month cough i had a dry cough i think i'm 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 one of the early adopters of covid because yeah you bought it you're the guy you're patient
0: zero thanks a
1: lot no but this is way back in 20 what 2013 or something like that right oh but i seriously think i i got some strand of something because i came back to to toronto and it took three months for the doctor i got every test on the planet done uh, like they were trying to figure out what it was it was just this persistent dry cough that wouldn't go away otherwise I felt fine uh and mm-hmm. then finally uh we went back to I went back and the doctor that was the specialist it came up in the conversation just much like this podcast where china came up at the very end <laughs> he's like yeah oh wait oh you, you why didn't you tell me that you went to china I'm like yeah, tell me more about that trip. I'm like, well, I was there for 2 weeks. It was August. The I remember like the the smog in my throat. It felt like Yeah, I was going to I was gonna ask you if it was the pollution. Yeah. The pollution, right? And he's like, "Oh, that's what it was." That's what he's like, that that must be it. We've done it. we've checked everything. We've absolutely checked everything and that it must be related to that. And sure enough, it went off it, it went away on its own. Okay. Eventually, it just went it one day it just went away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they. One of the reasons they're so accustomed to wearing masks, even before COVID, because of pollution, because of air pollution, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's pretty bad I, from what I hear, and a lot oh. of people also get um, um what call it? They get um, food poisoning too, quite often. There, a lot of travelers um, I've uh- interviewed.
1: Oh, I just—I I broke my ankle in Mexico. I went to the hospital.
0: I just realized that just—oh, now to... you remember. okay. I remembered Okay, just kind of like, wait, hold on. I—I broke. And just is there anything else you want to remember at the end of the show? <laughs> I'm like, I'm so oh yeah, I climbed Mount Everest. Did I sorry. That? <laughs> yeah, I lived in Africa for two years. What? <laughs> you did what? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, that that trip to outer space—that was
1: like NASA. I should have told you. I was an astronaut for ten
0: years. Oh, Put point. that in my bio. um okay well get your plugs in too because where where can people find your show and do you have a website can they follow you on social media so my most authentic life is available on all um uh,
1: major podcast platforms wherever you podcast mm-hmm. and i don't know when this is releasing this uh this interview week. this week oh okay so yeah so so this is as we're recording this this is august 2023 <laughs> that my mm-hmm. website will finally be launched by the end of this month <laughs> i've okay. been uh, i've been it's funny with this new life i said like i said not to be woo or anything i was like oh it's you know it's coming from a place of just kind of like Self-expression, right? So I, I I wanted to take my business hat off and not be the old workaholic, sales adrenaline-driven person. So I was literally doing everything the opposite. But now it's getting to a point where, yeah, I, I'm I'm coming back to center. Maybe I won't be that workaholic again in the future, but also maybe not laid-back Caribbean beach guy, yeah. <laughs> right? It's coming, and so it's it's time to get the website up and going. And that's what's gonna happen later this month. I'm excited working behind the scenes on it.
0: Yeah, when you're paying Toronto prices, you can't be uh, too laid back.
1: <laughs> and it's going to be <laughs> MyMostAuthenticLife.com
0: coming soon. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for reaching. I had fun doing your show, and I could tell people out there, it's uh, it's a good time, you know, and, and you're a good host, and uh, I hope it all works out for you. Thank you. Likewise, and thank you for being on,
1: yeah, on, on my pod. People should catch your interview. Oh. How travel-shaped. Yeah. A stand-up comedian's life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh fed of Argus, everybody. Thanks for doing this, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.